Welcome to the Millennial Parents Podcast, where we discuss everything about parenthood and adulthood from the perspective of millennials. We are your hosts, Lizette and Damien, creators of Millennial Parents, and it is our mission to highlight the real and raw ups and downs of our journey. It is important to note we are two average millennial parents who are simply faking it till we make it. Therefore, we will not be providing medical advice. Everything we share is based on our learning experience. As always, seek your medical provider first. Don't forget to subscribe and rate our podcast. This will help build our community of millennial parents. Please follow us on Instagram at Millennial Rents and visit our website for exclusive content. everybody and welcome back to the millennial rents podcast we're steady moving along and now episode five is upon us today we'll be bringing you guys a heavy and loaded conversation about black fathers and specifically how we've lost countless due to police brutality in this country we'll also be reflecting on our feelings on raising our innocent mixed race baby girl in today's torn society All right. So this past week has been a an emotional roller coaster for me, as I'm sure it was for so many others. Um, yes. I had been following Tough the week. Derek Chauvin trial closely since the first day of the trial, all the way up to the highly anticipated conviction. And I'm sure, like everyone else, I was glued to the TV, um, listening to all the testimonies from people on both sides, and. Just having to relive the incident, watching countless and countless times, and yeah, hearing watching. the story, and it never, it never quite ever making sense, right? Right, and having to watch footage that we we've never, the public hasn't seen until this trial. It was really hard, um, and it took a really big toll on me. And this time, I feel like it was different because then it happened when it happened last May. May 25th, because um, now Damien and I are, you know, we're expecting and as I was listening to everybody talk about George and seeing what happened to him on that day, I really couldn't help but think and see George as Damien. He's, you know, George Floyd was a father, a girl dad, um, and it really hit me because... I see Damien, how excited he is to be a girl dad. And then, and I'm sure, and I know, well, as we know now, George loved his daughter. So he was probably so ecstatic to, you know, have his daughter. And it really, it really hit me in a different way this time. Um, So I may get a little choked up this episode because it's, it's it's really emotional but um yeah so that led us to wanting i really wanted to do a discussion with damien um with everything that's been happening and there's so much has been has happened since this trial that (laughs) we can't even talk about but um 
I really think that I wanted to sit down with him to just see how he feels um, and his perspective on, you know, him preparing to become a father, a black father, um, and him just seeing how it makes him feel seeing all of this happening around him. So I think this is, I hope that this podcast, we can do a good job on this podcast because it's a very, very, um, it's a very heavy subject and I know it's a heated debate, but we don't want to be debating on here. We just want to talk about the raw emotions. Right. This Um, is all about our, our feelings of it and our, our, our opinions and stuff like that. So, you know, don't, don't, don't think we're, we're, um, I don't know, trying to pull too many facts out or, or go too, too intense on this. You know what I mean? We, we wanted to keep it more so emotional than, than more so pulling all this information and stuff back up and, and bringing these emotions back out in everybody. You know what I mean? So, um, with that, let's go ahead and, and jump into this whole thing. Yeah. So, um, as we know, uh, I really wanted to talk about, we're going to talk about a couple of victims and I know that there's so many out there, but we're specifically going to talk about three, all of them who are black fathers, just because it pertains to our podcast, but there's so many victims out there that should be known and should be talked about, but we're going to specifically talk about three, um, most recent or not most recent, but the most I mean, in the headlines right now is Mm -hmm. George Floyd again. Um, So we want to focus on who he was as a person. Um, He was a dad, and um, that's what we really wanted to focus on today. So I'm kind of doing a little Q&A with Damien, um, just kind of picking his brain and his heart on how he feels. So we all know what happened to Derek Chauvin, we all know that he was convicted on three, all three counts. Um, and while this was really highly anticipated by everybody, um, it kind of felt different once it was announced. You th- I thought originally that I was going to feel not relieved, but I was going to feel like a huge weight on my heart was lifted, but it didn't feel that way to me. My heart still felt really heavy after hearing this and seeing Derek Chauvin's reaction and just watching people embrace and like it was it was hard for me. I wanted to ask Damien, um, we watched the trial together, we watched the conviction, and I wanted to ask him how it made him feel as a black man in this country when he heard the verdict right um so i i don't know me for for me i would say when it comes to like you know society and 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 this whole racial thing and and you know the whole episodes we've all been through forever you know what i mean since the beginning of time this is like the one thing in life that i'm pretty pessimistic on and i hate to say that um but i am you know so as it was, you know, happening or going on, at that point, I was, I was really like in my head. I'm like, you know, I don't think that there's any possible way that, you know, this could not go, go, go the right way. You know what I mean? Like, there's no way they don't convict him, you know, and everything like that. But in my head, I'm also thinking that doesn't matter though. Like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, blow a sigh of relief, or I'm not gonna, you know, be 
excited or happy about this situation until really I get the sentencing and and I'm I'm honestly like okay it's fair and you know what I'm saying he got what he deserved because I still don't know if it's still going to be fair you know what I mean like at the end of the day this is still in the system right now it's still you know America's history and and at the end of the day I think America's history might play out again in this situation when it comes to the sentencing so I'm still not feeling comfortable about it and even that whole day I never was feeling comfortable about it and I'm kind of like I won't feel comfortable about it until the end result has hit me because I need to know that it's been taken care of and I don't want to you know leave you know leave the day on 420 like you know we won or something like that and 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 now you know everything is great and everything and then Two months from now or whatever, when we get this sentencing, we're all back down as, you know, square one, you know. So I'm scared of the sentencing because I, I don't want to see that happen. And I don't want to see, you know, all this excitement and, and, and you know, good energy and positivity. I don't want to see that get, uh you know, overshadowed so, so, so deeply when if something like that happens, that would be a crushing blow, you know what I mean? And I don't know what, what society would do or what people would do if that were to happen, you know? So that's kind of how I felt about the whole conviction thing. I'm still not satisfied yet, you know? Right. Um, but other than like the actual sentencing part, um, say it goes well. How do you feel that this decision made by the this this jury? Um, again, this is the first time in the state of Minnesota's history that a white officer has been charged for killing a black person, um, and we know that it's happened countless of times. And part of me was like, okay, this is the first, which is you you always need to have a first but do you think that this is something that leads to further progression and change or do you think that this is something he's gone he's locked up it's just going to still be the same as far as police brutality and the way that the system is i don't think it is going to do much for anybody or anything just because I don't again I think the system is you know extremely broken and I think the system is also extremely stubborn and I think that the people who are claiming to have lost in the situation are not gonna allow it to go that way you know what I mean so again it's it's probably gonna be some kind of systematic racial war or you know systematic retaliation or or even you know blatant you know, I, I don't know exactly how it'll go but i just feel like too many people right now in america want to win instead of wanting to hear out you know the other side and to actually make like progressive moves to move forward no one wants to do that you know what i mean no one wants to actually like hear the other person out and be like all right well what do we have to do you know and and for that reason this has just been a win for one side. You know what I mean? So it's going to keep going back and forth. And I unfortunately don't know how it ends. You know what I mean? Like it's, 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 it's not become, it's, it's, there's not empathy right now. And and when there's no empathy, when people can't see that, you know, outside of it being a police officer or something like that, this, this, this guy stepped out of the realm of being a police officer and, 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 and committed a murder. You know what I mean? So at this point, we should not be treating him and we should not be, you know, backing him and supporting him just because, we're, you know, if you're a cop or just because, you know, 
I don't know, you don't want to, you don't want your, your department to look bad or you don't want this to happen or whatnot. You know, it's, it's beyond that now again, you know what I'm saying? It's not, it's not a thing of saving face. You know what I mean? Like we need, there, there has been, there has been cops that came out and there has, you know, I want his chief came out and even said some stuff and there's been some, some, some officers that have been, you know, doing the right thing. But I feel like there's probably a lot more that are still holding on to, Mm-hmm. The but fact that it was time. a badge, you know, and that, you know, he, they, maybe they feel, I don't know. I don't know what they feel, but I think there's too many people holding on to that instead of empathizing for us thinking about it from a, a citizen's standpoint. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, feel don't, like, I feel like even more, I mean, you say citizen, but mainly like, can we view this as a human type, like humanity? Yeah. Like we don't need to be thinking about this guy was a police officer and this and George was a black man. Like we are, they were both humans. They need to be treated both as humans. Like they, both of their lives mattered. And at this point, what we saw, one of them went down and their life was lost. And we watched it slowly happen. And we watched one of them plead for their life and another just not care. So I think that it's important when we're when we're talking about what happened in the trial. I always hear, oh, he was a police officer and the police officer was convicted, but we don't talk about him being a human being and this is what he did. Whether regardless right. he had a badge, of course he used the badge in his favor, but he still had this mentality and that's where it really hurts because that's his heart is really did not I, I really his heart was hard and it like was they very said, cold it was very and like cold. they said george he they kept saying george had a big heart and derek chauvin's heart was too small that's why he died and i feel like that really resonated because um obviously you know now that we're hearing things about George and we're going to talk about how this is a pattern where after an incident happens, we hear about the victim and their life or whatever. But um, again, we want to like focus on who these people were as humans mm-hmm. um, and that relationship between authority and citizens I guess. Yeah. Um, and also my, my thing on it too, sorry to interrupt, is I'm 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 real big on on everybody trying to like one of my biggest things about all these cases and all, all these situations that happens is everybody tries to pull everything in every s- scenario, every bad thing this person did in their life, every every th- you know, anything. Everything they try and pull it all out and just say that this is the reason why it happened to this person, mm-hmm. and if they would have did something, if they would all this, but in these cases, all all these times, I, I just don't understand what pushed it to the point where these people had to be killed or murdered. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I don't like. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like these people were like mass murderers or something like that, and like you know they were coming out of a a ho- an apartment or a house and nobody knew if they had they were strapped with guns or something like that no you know what i'm saying like these are blatant scenarios in the streets you know what i'm saying where where you're telling me that like this person because they might have had a traffic ticket or something like that or whatever they i don't know i don't know what made george floyd 
seen as such a horrible threat that he needed to be murdered. And that's my point. You know what I mean? Is these people, even if they are normal, normal people who, ha who have made mistakes and done things, you know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, we've all made mistakes and we've all done bad things. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be the worst things in the world, but we are all human. We've all made mistakes. So how can people start bringing up their mistakes and saying that, that, that this is the reason that they deserve to right. be treated that way? Or, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it hurts me because that, that is what it becomes. It becomes a battle of, well, what was that person like? You know, what things, what, 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 what? that doesn't matter. You know what I mean? It, 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 they were wrongfully murdered. You know what I mean? They were wrongfully murdered. Like why, why, why does it matter if, if he, um, you know what I mean? Like he, he had drugs in his system. Why, why are you bringing that up? That doesn't mean you had to murder him. How does that, how does that make the situation okay? You got, then it becomes just dragging his name through the dirt, making him look bad because right. you couldn't restrain yourself right. in a, in a, in a hostile situation when you're supposed to be the one that is. Yeah. So, I mean, we can go on and on about what we saw, how we felt, and all of that. But yeah. I really did want to focus on who he was as a father. Um, so, his daughter quickly became in, in the spotlight. I, she was only six when he died, and now she's seven, I think. Gianna Floyd. Um, so... We're going to play a clip of an interview that um, ABC News did with um, Gianna Floyd, his daughter, and um, um, Gianna's mother, the mother of their daughter. Um, so really quickly, I just, want to, I just want you guys to hear this, and then we'll talk about it once it's done. I want people to know. Kind of miss him. Overnight, George Floyd's six-year-old daughter, Gianna, talking about her dad. What was your dad like? He played with me. She didn't have to play with nobody else because daddy was going to play with her all day long. Gianna's mother, Roxy Washington, saying that George loved his daughter. He was always a great dad. I mean, that was his baby. He loved his little girl. Roxy found out about George's death when she got a phone call. She then got on the internet and saw the video. I watched it only for a moment because I was like, I can't believe, I couldn't believe that somebody was doing him like that. I wish I could have been there to help him. How did you explain what happened to your daughter? I didn't. But Gianna knew something was wrong. She's I hear them. I hear them saying my daddy's name. And I told her. She doesn't know what happened. I told her that her dad died because he couldn't breathe. As yeah, so that, that's that's really tough to hear. Um, so, Damien, what what is going through your mind and heart when you hear Gianna talk about her father like this? Yeah, I mean, that's just it's just you know, it's devastating to hear. You know, I, I, it's I don't know, it's heartbreaking. You know, she she 
clearly, like the mom said, she doesn't really know what happened right now or anything like that. And I think that, I mean, you can even see it right there when she says that, you know, she, her dad was fun. She loved being around her dad. She loved to play with her dad. Her dad loved to play with her. You know what I mean? Like he, he was, you know, he made decisions for her and he, you know, he was working hard for her, you know, and, and it's just a devastating thing to hear her say that, you know, she, I don't know. It. Uh, yeah. So tough. we've, we've heard over and over again that George, you know, was bettering his life by moving to Minneapolis to take care of himself and his family. I think he was originally living in Texas. So um, he made this move and how hard do you think it was for him as a man to make a move like this, even when it meant he had to sacrifice his time being away from his daughter. I, I mean, it, it makes the situation even worse to me. You know what I mean? Like, to me, it sounds like the you know the final month of his life, he didn't even get to play and have those last moments with his daughter because he wasn't quite with her like he could have been. You know, um, but I will say this: you know that. I don't think it was probably tough because at the same time, he was he had doing purpose. it all for her. He had a purpose, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? He, I feel like, I don't know George Floyd as a person again, and I don't know where he was at in his life at this point, but I feel like, you know, with him having a, a little six-year-old like that and as passionate as they as everybody says he was about her, I feel like he was probably on, on the right track or getting there, you know, yeah. or at least... I feel like he was putting his best foot forward. You know what I mean? Like addiction's a tough thing and it's not, it's not something that, you know, you can easily fix, you know, it's a battle sometimes, you know? So I will say that I do think that he was probably putting forth his best effort for Gianna. And it just breaks my heart that in that time he, he might, he possibly didn't even get back to her and didn't even, you know, get to become the man he wanted to become for her, you know? So it, it makes it so much worse to even think about that, you know? Yeah. And hearing her mom say that she never told Gianna what exactly happened. Um, that was really hard to hear. I can't imagine as a mom, if anything were to happen, um, how you would have to explain that to a child. Um, and she was six. So it's not like, she's in diapers and she doesn't know Yeah, so you got it you have to explain you have to figure out how you're gonna how you're gonna have this conversation i mean it clearly she's old enough to know and i'm sure if she had any access to watching what she saw she would be able to comprehend and she would be able to she'd be able to find those videos herself her friends at school probably are saying things you know it it so it's 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 really it's heartbreaking yeah. to hear her mom and then to hear her say that her dad died because he couldn't breathe. It puts it into perspective because yeah, he couldn't breathe, but, but why could he breathe? Right. And so um again, that just pierced my heart. And then of course, you know, we all remember him crying out for his mom. Um those were pretty much his last words. And, um, (laughs) people keep, the defense kept saying he's this big, tough guy. Like that was, that was the threat, right? He was huge. And for me hearing 
this big black six foot whatever 200 whatever pound guy crying out for his mom really throws all of that out the door like it it's like he had that 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 we're 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 people too. We have feelings too. We hurt too. We're 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 scared too. We you know. And he, clearly, he had fears. He was scared yeah. the entire time. Like and I, I also want to say this too. I feel like a lot of people are are clinging to that thing that happened, that phrase that he said. But you know, to me, just when I heard it, it made me sad and it made me cry. Just because everybody clings to it because they think it's like, oh, you know this black guy who's supposed to be so hard and so big he's screaming for his mom you know but that that's not why to me for me why it means so much is because if you're in your last moments and you are a black male and you were raised like a lot of black males in america have been with just their mom or just you know a female you know you didn't have a dad and stuff like that you know that's i don't know to me it's just it just it puts it, it it i mean he he truly that's 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 his rock that's been you got to understand like he he as a black kid you know he lots of times we you know we feel like the world is against us and the only person that we have to protect us or to you know save us or to help us when we're kids is our mom you know what i mean and that's why he was doing that you know people People don't, I, I don't know if people really understand the significance of that. You know what I mean? So, right. you know, that to me, that's why it, 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 it really hit me and it really hurt. You know what I mean? That was the moment where he was like, I, I am, I am no, I have nobody. Nope. You know what I'm saying? Like I, right now the world is against me. Like it always has been. And I need that one person that has always been there for me, you know, and, and. Okay. She couldn't, you know, she wasn't there for him that time, you know, and and, and it, it's just a, it's just a scary, a scary thing, you know? Yeah. So I feel like it's just an, it's just an opening to the humanity of this, you know? Um, he was, he was really, he was a lovable guy and you, you really didn't have to, we didn't have to, it sucks that we had to watch him plead for his life yeah. to understand that but um i'm i'm you know hopeful that people when they hear that that they see george as someone who loved his family and would do anything for them and who just had a huge heart um so like i said it's it's a super it's super emotional and it hurts. It hurts so many people, so many walks of life. Um, this doesn't just affect, you know, black people, um, obviously. But, I mean, if you weren't affected by this, that's when it gets kind of scary. It's hard to not be affected by this. But, again, that's what I mean about thinking about these people as humans, not about his current state, where he was at, whether he was on drugs or what not, but just thinking about them as a human being that's walking, that's trying to live their own life and go, go through their life as innocent as possible, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. um, 
But again, like we said, those are that's just one of the few of the long list of victims right. that we've been hearing about. And um, there's so I'm sure there's so much worse cases that we that'll never even get to the yeah mainstream or you know audience because you know it's just kept under you know swept under the rug and kept under that rug you know so. right. Um, so I mean. That leads us to another tragic incident, right? That didn't actually didn't happen very far from where George Floyd was murdered. And um, it recently happened. Uh, so Dante Wright, which who was another father, right. he's younger, 20 years old. He had a two-year-old son. Um, so this also happened in Minnesota where in Minneapolis, um, not very far from George Floyd, and um we had to hear again this it's it's kind of, we're not going to go into what happened whether it was a mistake or not or anything like that we just want to go into um the details of you know how he called his mom and right before he right when he was getting pulled over and stuff like that and then talking about who he was right. and how he has left behind now a two-year-old yeah. boy. Um, which- I was going to also probably say this too, is I, I feel like his mom probably over the past months and maybe over the past year, I feel like she probably was telling him like every time he left the house, like if you get stopped or if the police do something, call me first. I feel like, I feel like, I mean, at the end of the day, that's the only reason why I would think that he was probably on the phone with her. You know what I mean? Like, cause I mean, I feel like my mom is right now telling me that like every, every time I talk to her, you know what I mean? Or something like that, you know? So I feel like they probably, he was probably on the phone with her to make sure that this didn't happen. You know what I mean? So to me, it, 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 it becomes like even a scarier of a situation because this is like, this is, this is, is a conversation that black parents are having with their kids, except it's still no way that you can stop it once you get into the situation, it seems like, you know, I, I don't know if you guys have watched the new Netflix short film. Um, I don't know what it's called. Oh, the, t- the two strangers. Yeah. Or yeah, yeah. That's what, that's two strangers or, or something like that. Or, um, but it, to me, that's what it's explaining, you know, kind of is, I don't know, just watch it and, and, and you'll understand what I'm saying. But yeah, so let's really quickly, um, let's play another clip. This was, this is a press conference of um, Dante Wright's mom. She's addressing the minutes before her son was shot. Um, and she discusses that conversation that she has with him. I just want to talk a little about a little bit about the day that I got the phone call from my son two days ago at 147 was the worst day of my life. He called and said he just got pulled over by the police. And then he said that um, I said, well, why did you get pulled over? And he said, because I had air fresheners hanging in the rearview mirror. I said, "Okay, we'll take them down. He said he also um, the police officers were asking about insurance. And I said, okay, when the police officer comes back to the window, put him on the phone and I can give him all of our insurance information. A second goes by and I hear the police officer come back up to the window and ask Dante to get out of the car. Dante asked for what? Police officer said, because you know, I'll explain to you when you get out of the car. He said, am I in trouble? He said, we'll explain all that when you step out of the car. Dante, and then they asked him to put the phone down. 
Dante, put the phone down. I heard some scruffling. He got out of the car, and I could hear the police officers um, and scruffling with him. We with you. We love you, sir. Then the, I heard the police officer asked them to hang up the phone. They hung up the phone. Three or four seconds went by. I tried calling it back to back to back. Because I didn't know what was going on. And I never imagined this is what was going to happen. I just thought maybe he was being arrested. And then when I called back, the girl that he had in the car answered the phone. And it was a, on a FaceTime. And she said, she was crying and screaming. And she said that they shot him. And she pointed the phone towards the driver's seat and my son was laying there, unresponsive. That was the last time that I seen my son. That's the last time I heard from my son and I have had no explanation since then. Whew. Um, yeah, so that was Dante's mom. Um, and like Damien said, she, he, she talks about um, how... Dante called her right when he was, when he saw the lights behind her, behind him. Um, and over and over again, we hear how black parents have to have a different conversation with their kids about what to do when they come encounter with, when they encounter authority. Um, and Damien, you grew up in the South, in South Carolina, um, and I just wanted to ask, did you ever, ha did your mom or did anybody, your grandma, whoever, um, ever have conversations with you and your siblings about how to deal with authority or anything? Did you ever have any of those types of conversations? Um. See, that's a, that's a hard question. That's a good question. I don't think we've ever, I've ever, until maybe like recently with all this stuff going on, I don't think we've ever really had a conversation, like kind of sat down and talk about it, you know, but like in passing or in, in situations or in moments, we, we definitely have discussed it, you know, like I would say, you know, I grew up in Charleston, North Charleston, uh, you know, part, part time too. Um, and there's a lot of, a lot of crime and stuff that goes on in, in North Charleston, um, so I would say around that time that we lived in Charleston for a bit, you know, we would hear helicopters and, you know, we would see, you know, stuff, you know, you know, we would see things just to, you know, that you would normally see in a, in, in a, you know, a kind of urban or, or, you know, more dense area, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's not really dense at all, but it's just a really, you know, a, a rougher area, I would say. Right. Um, yeah. So in, when, when those times and those things would happen, like even so when it's like, oh, yeah, there's helicopters out there looking for someone, you know what I mean? I think more so the conversations that we always had was like, if if you see cops, like get away from them because they they don't care if you're the person or not. You know what I mean? Like they're going to hurt you. They're going to take you down or something. And so I think that that kind of has always been something that's been like, you know, either passed around or, you know, heard at the at the fire you know or you know heard at the barbecue you know something like your you know your grand grandma telling your uncle that you know he better get in early tonight because the cops are looking for someone and mm -hmm. they'll take they'll take in any black person they can find or something you know it's just hearing those things in passing you know or hearing those things spoken to someone in your family who might be a little bit of a knucklehead or something like that 
So you you kind of already pick those things up and you're already like, you already see, you know, that you you can't trust the situation or you got to understand that, you know, you're you're not mm-hmm. safe or fine to walk down the street when when cops are feeling hostile or feeling some type of way because you could be a victim of it just because you got the same color skin, not even because you look like the person, not even nothing, just because you got the same color skin, you know what I mean? Yeah. So um, that that's always been something we, we've we always had to deal with. And I, like I said, I, I, I've always kind of avoided cops because I've never felt comfortable. Yeah. Even when, again, they're, they're looking to stop someone else and I know they're looking to stop someone else, you know what I mean? I'm still like, okay, like, you already keep feel your like- distance from me still, you know what I mean? Like, it ain't me, you know what I mean? Or whatnot, yeah. you know, so... It's just so, a yeah. terrible way to be when that's your that's your authority or that's your person who's also supposed to protect you, you know. And that's why a lot of cops never get called when bad things happen to police. I mean, black people, you know. Yeah, so, so. clearly there's already a long history of, you know, this this break in the relationship. There's no trust between authority and you know the community, the, the black community, community, the black community and that was evident in um Damien's family um but it's it's that's also another conversation not just how to what to do when you're encountering authority but also his family had to talk to him about how he's already perceived by authority and you have to go thinking that so his family had to let him know they already think you're a bad person. So you need to, that's how you need to react. You need to react like you're a victim already because that's how they treat us because of our skin, because of the way we look. And that's something that I personally have never had to think about. Um, I've never had to feel like on edge or feel like I would be on you know, I would be on watch because I'm walking around the, you know, black or something. Um, so it just goes to show that even if you've never had, and Damien has never had an encounter with a police before, right? You've never. No, I've never. I've never so never been. I've always been fast enough. No, I'm just kidding. That's a joke. I'm sorry. Guys. So, um, I mean, he's never been pulled over by a cop. He's never been had like had a conversation with a cop or anything well i mean i've been pulled over i've gotten you know a ticket or something like that um and and, and even in those scenarios it was just way 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 too much to handle you know what i mean it's like i i i i I don't know if anybody if i mean if you're not black or you know i'm not gonna say black but i'm gonna say if you don't know what we're talking about whenever we're speaking on this kind of thing then you're not gonna know how it feels because right you've never been unless maybe you've been in a a real stick up or something like that someone's really like you know done something scary or harmful to you then what i would say is i don't know how to explain this this uh fear and this kind of adrenaline that mm-hmm. hits you even when you haven't done anything wrong you know what i mean like i've never done anything wrong to be worried about like a cop or or worried about being arrested or anything anything in my life you know what i mean right. and I've never, and even when a cop has stopped me, I've never even been in a situation where I should even be remotely worried about anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. But still, it's a like an extreme rush of I don't know what kind of Adrenaline. chemical it is in your body or whatever, but it is the worst one I've ever f- felt, and it literally was because I was stopped because 
my tags were out or something like that. You know right. what I mean? But your heart is pounding like like you are, are trafficking pounds, but you just you just you're just supposed to get a ticket you know what i mean so it's and then and then then next thing when that happens the first thing that when they walk up to the window and they say is you seem frightened right now why is that you seem suspicious right now why is that right yeah (laughs) how does someone respond to that how do how would that calm you down if you're already feeling right afraid or or in the situation you know and and then again the cops, the cops' whole whole backing behind it now is oh, this person seemed on edge. They seemed erratic, irrational. So I feared for my life. And now, next thing you know, they're supposedly in the defense and saying that now they're feeling for their life because you are are displaying emotions of of being right. afraid. Yeah. You know, it's and it's crazy. So it's like you're you're being it's a double it's a double edged sword. You know what I mean? You can't you can't ha- you you're supposed to have a poker face and 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 not have any emotions or any feelings. You know, because if you do, then the cop is going to think you did something wrong. Yeah. Or if you're too arrogant, then you did something wrong. Right. And I feel like <laughs> it's inevitable to have those those the the reactions, the bodily reactions, and how your body reacts when you're being pulled over is inevitable. I mean, like clearly Dante Wright was scared. He was scared for his life. He, you know, he had ties. We'll learn once we listen to this other clip, he has ties to the George Floyd family. So he knows the encounter, what happens when he, black people encounter police. So that already is in his mind. And, um, Again, he they, he was proved right at this point. So um, it's a different conversation that you have to have with children coming up, even as and I feel like now, which is which is also a sad thing, is that when I when Damien and them were growing up, I don't think his mom really had to say much about this type of stuff. And now that they're older and they're grown men, she's even more worried now, which is really, really heartbreaking. Um, because obviously they're on a whole, on the other side of the country. She's in South Carolina and she constantly is texting us, are you guys okay? Every time something happens, she's already on edge. Um, and as a mother, you can't help but to think that could be my boy, that could be my son. Um, and so that just, especially just knowing, just knowing us and knowing the person, you know what I mean? Like you, you, these scenarios are just so wildly out of thin air. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, like I, I know myself and I know my brother and I know, you know, how we can be if we feel slighted or we feel, you know, so I, that's why I say, I, you know, I'm almost to the point where I don't even really leave my house just because I don't, you know, again, these, this, these, the slightest of scenarios, you know what I mean? Like, and that was one thing too, like when we, when all these protests were going on, um, aside from the whole pandemic thing, I wanted to go out there, but I was so scared for Damien to come with me because I know I'm hurt, 
but I know that there's a different type. He's hurt, but there's also another type of feeling inside of him that if anything right. were to happen, it borders it borders like you know anger and animosity in it, and it, right. it's mixing all these emotions in the and and the the you know even that someone says the slightest thing it it it, it flips me on 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 an edge sometimes you know what i mean like a lot sometimes you know somebody could say something and and they you know and i'll be honest i have a lot of white friends and and a lot of, and and my white friends you know they definitely try and support and try and help as much as possible but lots of times when white people try and help or you know it, it it's just not said the right way you know um, and, and I've definitely grown so much and I, I get to the point where I can, you know, I can talk to Lizette about these things and, and she can, you know, calm me down and things like that. But I know who I used to be. And I know that, you know, before I wouldn't have, I wouldn't reacted well, you know what I mean? And again, I know that sometimes these situations are not purposely done. You know what I mean? Like people mm-hmm. don't, people don't know how to say what they want to say, but they want you to know that they're supporting you. And that's definitely fine. And that's why I don't want to attack anybody because they made a mistake as long as you're showing me the right gestures and you mean well by it then i'm gonna i'm gonna try and accept it and i'm gonna you know hold back my personal feelings on it and then i I will talk to it with lizette or somebody who i know can you know handle that conversation that because i'm gonna need to unload you know what i mean and sometimes when i unload you know lizette can even be like well i think you might be you know taking it taking it a little extreme or something like that and then i might even you know unload on her and be like no now you you know what i mean so sometimes i just need to like kind of get my feelings of it out you know what i mean so like i'm thankful to have lizette for that but sometimes i have to do that you know what i mean i have to just step away and get it out myself you know what i mean yeah so um so let's play this clip um by it's a it's it's still the same press conference that um they had for Dante Wright, but now this is um, Dante's aunt. She is speaking on behalf of her brother, who's Dante's father, because um, Dante's father was quite frankly too heartbroken to speak. So she um, stepped up and talked and addressed the press conference. So let's hear what she has to say. Right. This is the brother, I'm sorry, this is the sister of Mr. Aubrey Wright. And she's going to speak from the heart and say some of the things that her brother is too heartbroken to say. Uh, so y'all please give your attention to Naisha Wright. Say his name!
Lord, the most beautiful smile. Y'all took that. My nephew's blood is on y'all hands. I've never seen my brother hurt like this before. Never. To hear my brother and to see my sister's pain. Come on. Hold her accountable. Hold her higher than accountable. You train people on this stuff. You train people on this stuff. 26 years. 26 years. Um, that was a very powerful video. Um, when I watched that, I could not watch it without tears going down my face. Um, but a little explanation. You guys can't see the video. I'll link the video in the show notes. Um, she is wearing a shirt with George Floyd's picture on it. The shirt that she's referring to is a picture of George Floyd. And she mentions that George Floyd's girlfriend was actually Dante Wright's teacher. So this family has close ties and George Floyd's family is actually standing behind her, beside her as she's giving this press conference. So um, it's very close, the connection. Um, and we hear her talk about how she's explaining how Dante Wright didn't come from a broken family. They came, he came from a family of love. Um, we hear her say that she doesn't care about what you guys think about him. Um, the, none of that matters. Um, he was loved. And my question for Damien is, um, why do you think that these families have to constantly tell the public how loved how how their victims came from a loving home what do you think the perception is by the public of black families in this country yeah i mean i think it's 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 pretty simple you know what i mean i, I think that you know nobody thinks that black people are 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 living normal lives you know they think we you know we're all in war zones and we're all numb to everything that happens to us. Or we're all, I don't know. It, it just shows you that, that you have to defend every yourself every time. It's just, it shows you what people think, you know what I mean? Right. So. And I mean, <laughs> it's crazy how she has to, you know, say that whether you know this is not he didn't come from a broken home right he came from two parents who have been together for 23 years um and he was loved and that's something that she has to explain because you know as soon as people see these pictures of these victims and they see they start to put all these thoughts in their head and about what kind of family this person had or what household they came from and what's their background. Maybe that can explain why um, he might have been so aggressive when he was pulled over or something. But regardless, 
these people, once again, are humans. Um, And to have to announce to the public that, you know, this is not a a guy, a, a kid or an adult, sorry. He was an adult who, you know, was dysfunctional. He came from a dysfunctional family and blah, blah, not that all of that matters, but she still had to point that out. And that is is sad to me. I think it's also sad too, because it, it, in a way, and I'm not saying she did this on purpose or anything like that, but in a way she felt like she had to make it like her, and I don't mean this in a bad way at all. Like her story meant more or something than someone else, like a, maybe a George Ford or somebody else who was in a scenario where they, they had maybe some mistakes and things that, you know, has been holding them back in life. But at the same time, you know, maybe, you know, maybe George Floyd did come from a broken black background and stuff like that too, but that stuff does not matter. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying she's taking away from George Floyd or anything like that, but at the same time, to me, it just, it's just so much more why we all need to start understanding that, that these, that these people in these scenarios are all humans. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I get it. You know what I'm saying? Like George Floyd wasn't perfect. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Dante wasn't perfect. Dante did come from a good family and everything like that, but that's still not going to save us in these scenarios. You know what I mean? Like you're, there's nothing that, there's nothing that, that makes you a, a more competent black person or a, a stand up black guy or nothing like that, that will save you in these situations. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, it's, it's a scenario to where it sucks because again, she has to go on TV and she has to explain that for America. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, that's being thrown, that's being projected out there again to America. You know what I'm saying? That this scenario was different than the other scenarios or something. You know what I mean? Right. And again, that's not, it's not different. It's all still the same thing. Even if he came from a bad home or he came from a broken home, if you don't deserve that, then you don't deserve that. You know, it's yeah. that simple. Um, but it does hurt that, that all, all these cases, that's what you have to do. You know what I mean? Especially in a situation where someone like Dante, who's so young and, and, I know that in this scenario, I think someone said that, you know, maybe he had a, what was it? I think he had a, I don't know, something happened to where he, he was supposed to be arrested or something, maybe. He had a warrant for his arrest. Yeah. Okay. So he had a warrant for his arrest or whatnot. Um, Maybe he didn't know he had a warrant, you know, it sounds like he didn't know he had a warrant, but again, I think that that still does not warrant him to be shot. You know, yeah, and I, and back to the point where she was, you know, having to address this to the public. It just goes to prove that people of color are constantly trying to prove yeah. to society that they are not a threat. That we just because we're mar- they're marginalized or they're in, you know. Uh, they live in different neighborhoods does not mean that their lives are 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 a threat um if anything these are the people that we should be helping these broken people are the ones that we should be helping um and they're the ones who are crying out for help and we need to understand them better 
their way of crying for help and coping is different because of their background. And quite frankly, I feel like we as humans don't take the time to really understand each other on a level where, you know, we can see past whatever you, whatever is going on. Um, But it's these people who need help, who need the healing. And it just breaks my heart that if he were to get pulled over, I just am waiting for an officer to take someone under their wings or something like as a teacher, that's like one of the things that I looked forward to the most is having a kid come to me with their all their burden and like me being able to help console them. Like imagine if a cop pulled pulled someone over and this guy was this kid was on the phone with his mother genuinely and the cop just, you know, said, "Hey man, let's have this conversation. I'm here to help you. You're not in trouble." Let's, you know, let's talk things through. If they if they can build something like that, a community, a relationship like that, regardless, you know, if it's a white cop, black cop, whatever, if that could be what the relationship is between cops and the civilians, I feel like we would be in such a better, such a better place. And I'm just waiting to hear for some, hear a story about that. And I'm sure it goes on, but... These are the people who are seeking that mentorship or who are seeking, you know, somebody to just feel for them and hear them out and understand their background. And so it just goes to show that, you know, there's constantly trying to prove your position in society. And I will also say this. I feel like a lot of, um, you know, misunderstood youth or even bad kids in America or whatnot that, you know, police have issues and problems with, I'm sure that like a lot of, if, if those police reached out to those kids and showed an interest in them, like I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not just saying this just to say this, but I really truly believe that they will make an impact because a lot of kids from these kind of neighborhoods and, you know, neighborhoods that I came from and grew up with at the end of the day, a lot of, a lot of those kind of kids are looking for someone to just care about them and and you know be interested in them and show them show them what what they should do and what they should be you know what i mean when you show an interest in a kid like that and um a kid really feels that you care and that you're you know you're trying to they're going to realize that and they're going to notice that and that's going to make them feel so good and it's going to make them feel like they don't want to let you down you know what i mean mm-hmm. and you never know you, you know just by trying to provide that you know just by offering that to one of these kids that you might be seeing go down that route you might be able to change that kid and he might be like this is all I was looking for all I was looking for was someone to care if I if I'm messing up or not you know yeah if you see me in trouble I would love you know if for you to extend your extend your empathy to me and help me get out of these situations not you know escalate or anything like that so um so yeah, we got to two out of the three victims. The other one we were going to talk about is Philando Castile, um, and you guys all know what happened to him. Um, but the point here is, is that there are these were all black fathers. Um, they left behind children who are now 
who no longer have the father figure in their lives. And um, really quickly, Damien, I just want you to talk about how important do you think it is to have a father figure in your life? I think it's huge. Um, Like I said, I mean, again, my point that I just made about, you know, kids from these areas looking for someone to to just be there for them, kind of. I had a football coach and he he um he was a white guy and he he did that you know what i mean i feel like he he um showed a lot of interest in me he had a friend in high school that that i reminded him a lot of and and he you know he said he didn't he didn't want to see me go down the same route that he saw his friend go down and stuff like that and um every now and then like randomly i would you know go to his house like you know cut his grass and just talk to him and stuff like that um and my point is, is, is he showed that interest where he was just like, you know, you can be something, you know what I mean? Don't let anything that people say, you know, he, he, he was one of the first people that, that did that for me. And I, and I, I felt like that was like the, the realest thing that anybody's ever done for me that I felt like that was just like, that was one of the greater moments of my life. You know what I mean? Having him, it, it just felt it felt amazing always having like an older guy. It felt like a dad, you know what I mean? And I, I always wanted that. So I'm, so I, that's what I want to kind of leave this conversation at is to say that I feel like fathers are, 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 are so, so important because as much as, you know, black men don't want to say it or admit it or whatever, we, we really want that. And I feel like it it, 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 it then affects us the rest of our lives. And we're, you know, we don't, we don't connect with other men as well. We don't, you know, we're not, we're cold mm-hmm. to other men. We don't, we don't understand how to, communicate well with other men you know what i mean and it, it becomes a a, a a full-on burden for for society and, and black men in a camaraderie sense you know what i mean and, and i also i mean it, it does it, it's the same thing that that black women you know when they when they feel you know so strong and they have to you know defend themselves against other black women you know what i mean it's like we don't we shouldn't be like that you know what i mean and i'm not quite as sure what causes it for black women or whatnot but for black men, I definitely think it's the the fact that we never have a, a male figure to to have those moments where you know somebody's got to lose and mm-hmm. it's gonna be you. You know what I mean? And you got to figure out how to cope with it, or you know what I mean? Right. Or you know, you just don't even have those moments where your dad explains to you how to cope with those things, or or you know, you you, you know, I, me think for me, think about this. I, I I never had anybody show me how to shave. You know what I mean? I to this day I struggle with how I'm gonna keep my area clean when I shave and stuff like that. It's it's little stuff like that that people don't realize that, you know, tying a tie, you know what I mean? Like I, I there's times I had to go to school with my tie untied and I, and I had to have my teacher, a male teacher tie it for me. And while all my classmates had their ties tied because they had a dad or, or, or what, you know, not to help them, you know what I mean? So right. it's little things that people don't realize how they affect you on a, on a day-to-day basis and how it, it, it really crushes us, even though we don't, say it we do show it because then it makes us more angry sometimes Mm -hmm. and you do see it but you don't know why you know what i mean it even goes back to the time you know the free throw shooting contest i talked about you know what i mean like that kind of thing you you don't realize it but it it embarrasses us and it makes us feel yeah you know like low low a, a piece of shit of society you know what i mean so yeah, I mean that's just kind of my take on it. Yeah, I think that was that was really well said, and I and it just goes to show Damien remembers his football coach forever. So a little conversation, a little 
And a little word of words of encouragement, our words are so powerful, can go a long way. You never know when you're going to make someone's day or, you know, change someone's heart. And I'm, I'm so glad he encountered this football coach because, right. right. you know, um, I'm I, clearly it had a huge impact on right. his life. I put up a fence with this football coach. This is the first <laughs> fence I ever, I ever put up. You know, I mean? that's like knows, something I should have done with my dad. Who knows if that was his intention? <laughs> he probably doesn't know till this day how much of an impact he's made. But again, that's where it goes. Humans, we don't know how we're going to impact each other. And something as so small as saying, you know, you're worthy to somebody might be something so simple to you. But then that person goes home thinking like. They, they're on top of the world now, and that's right. all they needed to hear. So um, that's that's all it takes, really. Um, but to end with something a little bit more positive, um, uh, one of your all-time favorites, Kobe Bryant, um, he was a girl dad, and he would always talk about how much he loved raising his girls, four girls, um, and, you know, for me, he's I couldn't help but think and I'm sure everybody else, he's a basketball player. Of course, he's going to want a son to leave his leg to lead his legacy. Like, he, you know, he had to be disappointed that he didn't have a son. But clearly he, he says over and over again, I would have girls if we continue to keep trying. I wouldn't mind raising a bunch of girls. So how excited, Damien, are you to be a girl dad? Um, I would say this. As a matter of fact, let, let, I'm just gonna make this my 24 second shot clock. How about that? Oh, 24 second for Kobe. Yeah. And let's here you go. Kobe. Let's 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 do it. This is freestyle too, y'all. So I don't even know what I'm gonna say. Give me like five seconds to think about <laughs> something I'm gonna say. My suggestion is when you start, don't say so for this 24. Uh, that already <laughs> takes three seconds off. All right. Okay. Ready? Okay. Go. So, girl dad and being a girl dad, to me, it means the world to me. I'm already doing my research. I'm trying to learn so much about, you know, things that appeal to girls and all this stuff. But at the same time, I, I'm really just trying to feel out how to be sensitive and how to, how to you know, teach her how to, how to communicate. Because I really want that more than anything. I want to communicate and I want her to tell me her feelings, understand her feelings, talk these things out. Um, I think that just, you know, it's going to help her so much when she's an adult. So that's mainly what it's about for me. 30, 30 seconds. seconds. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. But yeah, let me let me just finish what I wanted to say because that, that, <laughs> I couldn't do that in 24 seconds because I feel like this is, uh, to me, this is a huge thing. Um, for me, I, I, I just want, I want to communicate with her so much and I want I want to figure out the best way for me to teach her how to communicate her emotions and what she's feeling and to understand those things and 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 how to perceive things. I really want her to to be a very strong emotional person, you know what I mean? So uh so that that to me is I I got I, I really just gotta figure out how to how to hold these deep and serious conversations because i i do i do know that they're gonna come and i know that that's gonna be something that that it's it's keeping me up now is is figuring out how i'm gonna have these conversations with her and you mm. know deliver these these devastating hard things about society and let her know the truths about being half black half asian and you yeah. know living in america you know what i mean but I want her to be confident in her skin and I don't want her to ever wish 
otherwise or anything like that, you know. So I definitely got to have a lot to figure out myself in, in, in talking to her and communicating with her because yep. we got a lot to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So this was a very heavy episode but it, i think it was necessary and i hope that you guys enjoyed listening and we would love to connect with people um and thank you guys for supporting yes we are counting down the final weeks until the baby final Maya countdown and then you guys get to meet baby maya <laughs> y'all hear her screaming and crying on the mic instead of our dogs walking <laughs> around and stomping around all right. So thank you guys. Thank don't y'all. forget. Have don't forget. Day. Rate and write us a review. See you guys next week. Bye.